0: Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. As always, the news just doesn't seem to stop in 2024. Last week, it was Carissa Moore leaving the tour. This year, it's Stephanie Gilmore. Buck and I are about to talk about what that means for the future of competitive surfing and the WSL in particular. We're also going to talk about episode one of Stab in the Dark, which just aired on Stab Premium. It's presented by O'Neill. It's starring Kalohe Andino and 13 shapers, 12 of whom are going to have boards that get tested, one of which is unfortunately unlucky 13. You know how it works. We're gonna break that down. We're gonna break down a story that Kolohe wrote on the site. We're gonna break down an interview with one of the new shapers in Stab in the Dark, Chris Borse, who's one of the most fascinating people in surfing, and Buck is going to tell us about the time he went to Nazare. And last but not least, we have the last surfsin of them all. It's one of my favorites, and you're just gonna have to hear it, so let's drop in.
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and hello. Mikey Ciaramello, we are here for another episode of The Drop.
0: Yes, we are. And Buckley, before we get into this week's news, I need to tell you something uh, that happened to me this past week. I was visited by Mark Healy, and I was visited by Mark Healy what? in a very, very uncomfortable situation. Go on. I had my first two-wave hold down this week.
1: Right after the cheat codes went
0: live. Right after, like, I couldn't make this up, but like... Had my first two-wave hold down. What? And while I'm down there, um, you know how sometimes you get, like, stuck in that little vortex under the water where you're not necessarily getting, like, worked, but it just doesn't let you move? You're just kind of, like, swirling? And I was stuck in that space after falling on a wave. It was my first wave. I think, actually, my first wave after uh, the episode even went live. Like, I went over to um, a different part of Costa Rica, and, uh, yeah, it was one of those ones where it's a wave that's Ooh. a little bit confronting. I have,
2: I
1: have theories already. I have theories already,
0: but Okay, go on. So, it's one of those ones where the wave's a little bit confronting, so you want to address it head-on. Sierra Kerr said, after she surfed the box, that you just have to go on the first one. So, I took her advice, I went on the first one, I was a little bit deep, I didn't surf it very well, went up over the falls and just was in the spin cycle. Now, this part of the world has very short period swells.
1: That was my theory! That was my theory.
0: Generally in the like 10 to 12 second range is like a normal swell there. Uh, So yes, this was not like a full-fledged Mark Healy held under for three waves at Mavericks two-wave hold down, but it was very much a, I'm stuck underwater and I get to a point, probably about nine seconds in after my wipeout, where I'm starting to feel that panic set in because I'm just uh, not only am I not coming up, but I just don't even feel like I'm like, I just feel like I'm stationary, like I'm not even remotely moving up. And I started thinking, like I started hearing Mark's voice in my head. And he says,
2: I'm only trying to get up
1: if I I already have momentum coming up and I feel that I'm close to the surface. So I can tell in my ears how close to the surface I am. If it's not letting me up, I'm not fighting at all. I'll stay down there for three waves if I have to. To me, that's a safer bet to conserve energy.
0: But I, I'm hearing him in my head like, oh, and it, dude, it calmed me down so much. It was insane. Like I went from like being in this kind of like, oh shit feeling like a s- squirrel on crack to like, just like a jellyfish just floating and I, I heard the second wave coming before I felt it and then I felt it wash over me and luckily the second one I think was a little bit smaller than mine I don't know because I was underwater but it didn't work me that bad and I popped up shortly thereafter and was kind of just laughing and people at the back were like dude did you actually just get a two-wave hold down because it wasn't even that big but I was like yeah and I was like thank you Mark Healy I, you didn't save my life necessarily but you made me a lot more comfortable in a very uncomfortable situation
1: Wow I mean, hey, stay down. In many times, the low man wins. It's about center of gravity. You keep it low, and the low man wins. So (laughs) sometimes you gotta stay down there. I the short period thing, especially said I had theories already because I've never come close, or I didn't feel like I've come very close to a two wave hold down like big waves. I feel like they're just like at least the version of big waves that I surf, which let's call XXM. Um it's still super long period. It's still like deeper water waves where you're, you know, there's, it, it feels like there's a long space between the waves and most of the days. Right. And so it's hard cause I kind of got to the surface, but I had like a, almost a two wave hold down. I didn't get a breath in, which sucked, but I did kind of poke my head and then just kind of got water in the face and went back down on a day that was like, honestly, maybe three foot backs um in the summer once in france and i was like it was funny but scary at the same time it was short period like summer swell but it was still punchy and it was just like one just held me down for a while and i was like not worried about his three foot and then just the next one as i came up just broke my head and i was like what the like is this for real like i was just baffled (laughs) um so i had a hunch there that it was going to be a short period day but wow healy just spoke to you underwater. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, and he can do the same for you. So if you haven't already, go give cheat codes a watch. It is presented by Yeti, and it might it might even save your life, or it might just make you a little bit more comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Let's get into the news.
1: Let's do it. Big week. <laughs> Stab in the dark with Kaloha and Dino, episode one. Ooh, it's here, Mikey. It is here. And I'm going to recount an experience that I know you and I have had, and I believe many other listeners to this program have had. Do you remember when you were a child and you would surf a heat in whatever amateur surfing organization that you took part of at that time? And sometimes you saw a heat that was pretty good. Like, you're just like, okay, first heat, like, this is a pretty easy one. You, you're kind of sizing everybody up. And then there's sometimes where you look at the heat and you're like, oh, shit everybody in here they've got the smith optics sponsorship like that the kind pads on like i might it's a hard heat from the beginning you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah i know what you mean yeah you got you got pat schmidt you got Ram stack
1: you got uh so chris kelly showing up yeah you're done you're done right imagine walking into episode one seven dark you got piezel mayhem sharp pukas and borst all in one yeah, well, imagine if you're Borst. Imagine that's if you're real Borst. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if you're Borst, dude. <laughs> Which we're gonna we're gonna get into detail about this here uh, later in the program, but yes, that's a fucked up heat.
0: You got three previous winners in Paizel Sharpie and lost. You have Pukas, who has made four finals in the five years that they've been in Stab in the Dark, Insane. and the only year they didn't make the final, their board broke. Mm. Um. So just incredible consistency. Yeah, basically these are like the powerhouses. Like you're this is like the, the worst semifinal you could ever be in.
1: It's so bad. It's so bad. But hey, Borsty did alright. I gotta be honest. I think that the Borst looked the best. But that's because my brain is stupid. And I like when people go backwards. <laughs> that's
0: yes, you do. Um, so I guess we're not gonna reveal too much, right? Or are we? I don't know. We're we're now a few days after it went live
1: a two-week gap between episodes. Let's just, I mean, let's say that an Unlucky 13, let's touch on that. I don't think we need to say who fell to this. uh, Call it a curse if you'd like. Just a a little bit of aesthetic uh, discontent from our test pilot. And I think Mm. this, I've seen it in the past too, like this is I think the third year we're doing this, Unlucky 13. And... People, every year you see some comments, it's definitely not the majority, but you see some comments saying, like, I don't like this, This I would really like to see that rule, or see that board get ridden. And I would agree with that, if we didn't get to see that board get ridden later on, I think it's fucking awesome. Um, It's fun watching Kolohe struggle with that decision, because as he says in the episode, he's like, it's kind of exciting to want to try something new. Like, he doesn't want to write something off because it's different, because different it might be something he's never tried before that all of a sudden unlocks something that he's never felt before. And it's uh, it's awesome to have somebody who knows so much about surfboards. I think there's a line in this that says that uh, Kolohe has... It's reasonable to believe that he's ridden more surfboards than any other 29-year-old on the planet. I don't think that there's anybody under 29 that would even come close to him. So, man, it's good to see him get in there, those details. And even if he has to ax in unlucky 13 based off those details, it is incredible viewing for, for me over here. So in episode one,
0: kolohe tested five boards, um, across those he eliminated two. He put two in the reper charge, and he sent one straight to the final. Um, and he also eliminated unlucky 13. So that's three boards in total eliminated two to the repercharge one to the final and, um, yeah, we've got a lot more boards to get through before we can actually nut out the final four and
1: eventually pick a winner. You'd be pretty pumped to even get to the repertoire out of that heat, I think. Yes, I could, I concur. You'd have to be. Um, I've been loving, like, Kolohe's detail when he's just checking out all the boards, to me, is incredible. Like, I feel like I still... Like, if you walk into a surf shop and you pick up a board... I don't think most people know what they're doing, myself included. You're kind. Of, I just feel the rails, I feel the weight, kind of try to feel where the board balance is and not much more than that. There's definitely shit that I'm doing which is pretty much pointless, like that I'm just holding it in weird ways because it feels right <laughs> and it's not like I'm making any, any, you know, massive observations in my head at that point. He apparently is, and it's awesome hearing him explain that, just what exactly he's looking at while he's doing that, even though he calls out something that Dane does, and he's like, Dane does this all the time, I don't know what he's looking at.
0: <laughs> I don't think Dane knows what he's looking at either. That's the beauty um, of it. We just all make up our own little things. <laughs> it's
1: the beauty of it. But on that front, Kolohei gave us some flags. He This was meant to be information for the shapers, but obviously we did not give that to the shapers because we don't give them any information other than the surfers. Height, preferred height, weight, preferred board size, traditionally, and the location where the, where the boards will be written. Um, so, we have Kolohe's top five red flags for surfboard design. Mike, you want to read these things out because they're pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, well, and this is really important. One of those ones that you have to read on the site because we can't do it justice. These are written in Kolohe's words, and he has such a specific writing style mm. that's hard to put. In words but I would just say it's like I don't know like all dagger no fluff like it's just pure straight to the point and there's a little bit of like mysticism in it as well like he's like kind of saying things in odd and creative ways that like aren't necessarily the way that I would think about them but when he says them you kind of like can picture what he's talking about so Buck, do you want to go through them, or how do you want to do this? Because I know you have a favorite.
1: All right, I'll just call it my favorite right away, and then we'll kind of parse our way through them through there after that. Okay. uh, This is, I think, the second flag. I want to call them rules. Rules is more fun. Second rule. I cannot stand bad colors on boards. Surfing is about aggression, counterculture, and youth. Pastels do not coincide with that. (laughs) oh man it's just uh i am not one for a pastel colored surfboard but i could have never articulated like that it is
0: funny because we ended up kind of giving him pastel surfboards if you look at the lineup shot uh they're like all off like they're like easter egg colors in a way which it's really funny because every stab in the dark shaper gets the same prompt when it comes to art and they always come back looking so different it's like when you played whisper down the lane as a kid Hold on, there's a truck going past.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, I I had a different. I mean, he says the boards are great. I think the boards are great. I think he had a different. Uh, I think I knew what he was talking about when he said pastels. <laughs> I think he had some some things in mind when he said that. Um, I can think of. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the boards that he was talking about had um, squash tails. I'll say. Ah. Um, oh. Leave it at that. What's stuck out to you, Mikey? I mean, that's a good one, but we got got four more to get through. Yeah, well, a
0: few of the other ones he pointed out, he says he doesn't like dome decks with tight rails. Um, He says that he doesn't like boards that are weighted incorrectly, which in his mind means that the tail basically weighs more than the nose. And another one that he really doesn't like is um, boards that were ridden heavily in the 90s and 2000s, basically, which is to say rockered out and with pointy noses. I found that really interesting. Like, he seems to prefer, like, the the boards that Mayhem has made him forever, they seem to have kind of, like, really round, full rails. Like, just kind of like a, a, what I'd almost call, like, a meat and potatoes surfboard. But Kolohei, he finds that that suits his surfing best. And the way that he describes that in here, I'm not even going to try to do it justice. You just have to go read it. But it's really good. Um, But the fact that he doesn't like those 90-style boards is really interesting to me because I'm about to go test one down in australia um, i'm going to be there in the month of march and there's a guy down there named ben webb who's making these sort of futuristic versions of 90s and 2000 surfboards that are long skinny pointy lots of rocker um, and they're kind of coming back into fashion right now rightly or wrongly but i'm going to figure out if that is um you know if they if they left for good reason or if they should actually make a comeback in 2024
1: wow spirit quest interesting to see how that one goes you might go full creed on us the assassin's
0: creed i don't know we'll find out maybe i'm just gonna bog on it probably but anyway back to Kolohe. hey first episode highly enjoyed it um everybody behind it from dill roberts doing most of the cinematography with nate lawrence and a few others down in indo jacob Vanderwerk, and then uh, on the edit side dylan and john john you know who you are um, Danny Johnson and Sam wrote the script. Shinya Dalby did all the artwork and, uh, maybe infringed on some copyright things along the way. Um, Kalohe still has a lot of boards to get through. In episode two, uh, which drops February 6th, he's got Chili Surfboards, Channel Islands, three times winner, the, the best stab in the dark performer of all time, JS Industries, DHD, and Rusty, which is Another really stacked
1: heat, but It's another hard heat, man. I'm doing the math in my head now. I'm like, okay, Channel Islands, Like we're fighting for second now if uh, if the last two iterations have anything to say for it. Um, so yep. it's a bit of a dogfight, that one. Yeah, it's tough.
0: All right, well, we'll see it happen February 6th. Uh, but for now, go back, watch episode one, watch it again, read Kalohe's piece, and um, just appreciate the beauty that our High-performance Oh,
1: surfboards are great. Surfing's two most dominant women just stepped away from competition in the space of a week. What does it mean? Damn, dude, this is the biggest news since Holly Wan left the queue. We're talking about Steph Gilmore and Chris Moore. Um They have 37 world titles between them. They have won... That's... Not true, Buck. You just lied. Okay, so they have 12? They have 13. 13. 37, dude. They they have been winning... They define a generation of women surfing. How... What more can you say about them? Um, Carissa announced her... Not hiatus, but essentially retirement first. Um, We had told you about this in advance we had picked up on it and um I don't think we originally knew it was a full retirement from tour did we Mikey was it was it news to you that it was full like she's likely not coming back or did you
0: well yeah no no no. I, I I was under the impression that she wanted to have kids so in my mind that's minimum one year off maybe probably two because she has the Olympics this year So I thought that would be it, and then she'd maybe come back. But it sounds like she, in her mind right now, of course, things can change. Uh, I don't think she thinks she's coming back. So that's Carissa. Steph, on the other hand, has made it clear that she's taking one year off, and she plans to return in 2025, and she actually has already been granted the 2025 season wildcard by the WSL. Interesting because Steph is, I believe, four years older than Carissa, maybe five. Um, So she's obviously further along. She also is already leading the world title race so it's interesting that she's the one that wants to come back when um you know i I suppose she has in a sense like less to gain unless she just wants to make more ground between her and the next person
1: yeah wild i mean i was we knew the carissa one was coming even though we didn't know it was coming before it we started hearing the whispers um this deaf one kind of caught me off guard uh, we had heard some whispers in advance, but it was kind of hard to tell if they're true or not and it's pretty wild i mean what What do you think Tyler Wright is thinking right now? because I feel like I feel like you could make one argument for like okay, there's a lot of young women that are surfing insanely well in just all conditions, especially in big barrels and then going out and doing airs when it's small. And maybe it's just their time to take over them in store. But I also think, I mean, I think about Tyler Wright, who won two titles in the midst of Carissa and Steph basically just going back and forth on them. And even though you have this younger generation, I would have to think that there's just like some sort of psychological aspect of Tyler battling with these girls for so long Seeing that there's going to be a year where neither of them are competing and just wanting to give it her fucking all this year. Um, what do you think of that? Could it, could it be another year of Tyler?
0: The way I see it for her is like it's like when you're surfing a wave where there are very clearly like the locals and like the really good guys that get the good ones. And a couple of them go in and leave you out there with a bunch of people who are also good, but like you might have a little bit of priority status over them, whether it's age or you've lived there longer or uh, whatever it is. And that's, I imagine, how Tyler feels right now, right? So she's just king of the peak, basically. It's hers to lose. But that being said, there's a lot of hungry and talented girls under her who are happy to swing late, And airdrop into the pit. So I think, um, yes, she'd be feeling pretty good, but not so good that this thing is wrapped up by any means. Mm,
1: mm. Yeah, it's going to be such an exciting year to watch how this unpacks. I mean, I think I am maybe the 9,000th person. I know I exaggerated the titles that they won, Mikey, but this feels like an under-exaggeration to say I'm the 9,000th person to say that uh, the women's tour or female surfing in general is at least looking towards the future more exciting than men. Like there's just so many more hyper talented, crazy progressive females. It seems right now than males. Um, And so you think, yeah, I do. Absolutely. And this
0: isn't like, I'm, I'm all for
1: like the women have progressed
0: so much, but it just happens to coincide with the greatest men's talent birth that we've probably ever seen. Like, I don't know if you listen to the pod with Stace and I, but like, there it's impossible almost to pick a men's top five without leaving at least one, but probably two people out who you feel like should be in there with a shot at the title this year. You have John Florence, you have Gabriel Medina, Felipe Toledo, Griffin Colapinto, Jack Robinson, Yago Dora, Ethan Ewing. You can even bring Italo back in the mix if you want to. Like the talent level and also the the lack of like, clear separation between these people is unbelievable. So I think it's happening on both sides. I don't think the women are like, dominating the space. But also to your point, like, Stace, when we picked our top five for the year, he didn't even put Tyler in the women's top five. That's how much talent there is on the women's side as well. So it goes both well, ways. I don't think one is outweighing the other.
1: I didn't say there's no talent on the men's side. I just said there's more progressive young talent on the women's side yes there are some young guys amongst the names that you just laid out but there's nobody that's around 20 that are surfing at a level like compared to the rest of the tour that like katie and molly and soon i know it's not happening yet but girls like sierra and Erin are like there are girls that are just surfing differently that are hitting that tour now and are coming soon and um I mean, as much as I love people like like on the younger end of that spectrum, like Yago, Jack, like some of those guys surfing, they're not doing surfing that's like drastically different from what John, Medina, and Felipe are doing. I do think that Katie and Molly and Sierra and Aaron are.
0: That's true. I'll give you that. That's fair. Yeah, there is, I guess I didn't fully understand your argument, but yes, there is a bigger cohort of like specifically very, very young women who surf very differently from their forebears. Um, relative to the men. So I will give you that point, Buckley. Thank you. I'll take uh, it. So, question. Do you think Carissa and Steph's decisions were in any way tied to one another?
1: Hmm, That's tough. I mean, I think Carissa is just on her own... I think it almost is a question, more of a question of did is Stephanie's inspired by Carissa's in some way? Because... Krissa seemed like she was just at that point. We heard of it way earlier. Um, and she's she's just seems like she's done competing at that level. At least that's her headspace now. So it, I, I would say that I think Krissa's was more kind of locked in. And maybe Stephanie saw that and thought, hey, maybe I'll do a little break too. But I think Krissa was pretty pretty certain there what do you think
0: it doesn't really make sense to me that that she would follow Carissa in that sense um, especially when she's saying that she really does want to come back so I think it was just purely coincidental in a sense Mm. also not coincidental in the sense that they've been doing it for so long and you know they're at an age where they maybe want to try different things in life or whatever Um, but I don't think it had that much to do with one another but that still begs the question like if you're the WSL you just lost your two most dominant women um, are you freaking out a little bit? Not just about that, but about either who might be next or what it means for kind of like the state of competitive surfing. I'm
1: I'm freaking about. I'm freaking out about who's going to sponsor the finals in September. <laughs> I'm freaking out about a lot of things. Yeah, I'd probably be a little bit worried, but uh, I I think it's just on the list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I don't know. Like, I on one hand. I totally see like how that feels like a huge blow to lose Carissa and Steph in the space of a week. And I'm going to throw a little prophecy out there that they might lose Kelly within the next month to four months as well, which is... Uh, For good, like, is your prophecy? I mean, yeah. Like, what, Kelly's going to get another wild card and come back? <laughs> all, right.
1: all right, all right, good point. <laughs>
0: And that's their most dominant males and females all leaving at once. Um, But on the other side, you have to just see it as a generational shift, right? Because it's not as if underneath them, there are no stars. We just talked about all the incredible surfers on both sides of the draw. So I think that there are actually some pros to it as well. It's like, let's bring in the new generation. Let's create the next generation of stars. Because, you know, Carissa sticks around. She probably wins a few more titles. Steph, maybe not. But it kind of... You know, those are two spots that if given to somebody else, maybe they could go and forge, you know, a a really, really impressive career that they wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to. So I see both sides. Um, It does raise an interesting question, though, when you pair it with the results of the 2023 Stab Surfer of the Year rankings. So um, as far as the WSL's impact on this poll in the previous five years, every single winner has been on the world tour and has been a world t- uh, champion at some point in their life. This year, we had our first non-CT surfer win on the men's side, Nathan Florence, and also our first non-world champion, also Nathan Florence. On the women's side, um, we had a non-world champion in Katie Simmers. She is, of course, on the CT, but interestingly, a lot of the votes for her had nothing to do with what she did in the CT. They had to do with her film, they had to do with free surfing, they had to do with blah, 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 and... Um, and then if we we take it even further back, the men's top ten was actually weighted towards non CT surfers. It was six four in favor of basically free surfers. And the women, while the top five was all CT surfers, numbers six through fourteen were all non CT surfers. So it does seem like you know both. Because again, for this we poll. 45 of the world's most influential surfers and our Stab Premium audience. So of that demographic, which is pretty much surfing, people are definitely paying more attention to what's going on outside of the WSL than they used
1: to.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: I mean, I think it's a good time for surfing. It might not be the best time to try to sign an insane contract, but in terms of what we get to experience as viewers, I think it's a great time. So, wild. Mikey, question for you. WSL announces Macaroni's as the venue to decide the 2025 world title. Does Steph come back?
0: Man, that's really, really hard. Um, I don't know. I think maybe not. because yeah, like I don't know if she sees a way for herself to win there, let alone get into a strong enough position in the regular season, because you'd have to think, like, if she's going to win at Macaroni's, she's going to have to have, like, She's not going to get five good heats like she had at Lowers. She's going to have to have two or three good heats, so she's got to finish one or two. Uh, and I just I don't know if she can do that with the way that the tour is structured right now and the talent on it.
1: Isn't that fascinating? Just, like, what what are they, do they keep it at Lowers? It'll be so interesting to see how everything unfolds, especially, like, yeah, if they put it at yeah. a, a Chopu or something. Like, it's, like... Ah, wild wild times in surfing mikey and we've got more here we've got two more stories get to it chris borst pioneered stale fish 540s on wheels before laser cutting ct winning surfboards mikey have you ever had (laughs) borst no i
0: don't even know what it is i know it's a thing but i don't know what it is
1: Borscht—it's like a Eastern European, kind of right on the fringes of Russia. There, maybe even Russian. It's like a beet soup. Um, my wife's family is Polish. They eat borscht, and every time I read this name, I really want to say it like that Portuguese. They pronounce s's kind of with a shush. Anyway, so this name just challenges me every day. So shout out to me for getting one right. I think in Chris Borscht. Not borscht, not a beet soup, and congratulations to you, Chris, for doing some fucking crazy laser beams to make surfboards. Um, this is we have a voice note from him and uh, Chris. You know Katie. This comes up in the voice note. You'll get it in a minute, but uh, it comes up. He's Katie Simmer's shaper, and he has a fascinating background, as this title implies. He came from a professional skate world um, in a time when the professional skate world was just becoming having its big bang, let's say. And then he started shaping surfboards kind of as a hobby. And he comes from a seemingly wildly intelligent bloodline. His father worked as an aerospace engineer at General Dynamics. who as of 2020 were the fifth largest defense contractors in the world specializing in building Gulfstream business jets and combat vehicles to nuclear powered submarines and communication systems so that's his dad Um, turns out when that is your father there's a decent likelihood of you getting a brain that can understand things that other brains cannot seems that's the case with Chris Um, and even though he had this pretty awesome professional skate career he shifted his focus to shaping surfboards and he has technology that just flat out nobody else uses um not only has it he created he cre- that's like, how he has it he created it yes <laughs> that's how nobody else has it because they'd be like chris can you give us some this crazy laser thing that like makes so you don't have to scrub the foam after it comes out of the machine and he's like nah it's mine (laughs) so he's making should we hear from him let's hear from him and then let's get into a little bit more i've got some questions mike let's hear from him though stuff that katie went to hawaii with last year yeah
2: some of the boards were completely untouched like i just did it i did it for a test i mean obviously i made her a bunch of boards that i went and really tuned in yeah but then there were certain boards that i wanted to test to see on you know where she was to compare to the other boards and she brought back some of those boards that were some of those boards that i did not touch where i was like wow this is insane that it you know because because that's the thing for me i want to be able to give the consumer what i made i don't really want to hire a bunch of people to try to like pollute what i did it, yeah. I mean, it sounds bad you know what i mean but no i'm kind of anal i just want to get give whoever I'm dealing with, like the consistent product. Like what is the beauty of, of automating this whole process? Cause it, it kind of sounds like you're, you're touching on it there. Like being able to scale up. What, oh man. What, it's what... like, it, think about it. Like I'm like, I know this, the level I am with skateboards. I am anal. Like if my, the board has too much flex or anything, like that's what made me go, man, the surfboard has got to be the same way because you get one magic board in the past, then you go through a bunch of different boards that you're like, eh, then you get another one. And at one point, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, it should be more like the skateboards, way more consistent. So that's the beauty of what I'm doing. Like, I mean, you could ask Taylor yeah. about the consistency. He'll straight say it. He never gets a bad board. It's like 90%. I mean, 90% plus every board. Yeah. It's just it just keeps the board so consistent. Yeah. I mean, even like Katie, I've been dealing with Katie. I, I'm sure you probably know who Katie is.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I've been dealing with her for since she was seven or eight years old. I mean, I've given given her like such consistency. I mean, I don't think she realizes it because she's so young, but she, I think she's very lucky because you know I was doing so much stuff with Taylor, so much R and D, and I was able to. Give that to Katie at such a young age, like the consistency.
1: So, this claim I mean, that he can get every board to feel he didn't, he kind of said it, he kind of said that he just makes a lot of good boards. But basically, there's a reason why you see every pro surfer posing with a new quiver of 30 surfboards that look almost identical to the naked eye. Um, it's just impossible for most people to replicate a surfboard there are just subtle differences no matter what it seems and uh that's why you also hear pro surfers say that they've been saving this one board putting on ice only riding in heats blah 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 because you can't just make a carbon copy of surfboards seems like he's getting the closest to that with his lasers um you, it would appear so yeah you buying it?
0: i don't know I mean, on one hand, yes. I'm sure you can, like, he can probably prove scientifically using whatever scans and whatever that he's making boards that are more identical than anybody else in the world. However, there are other factors that go into that, right? Like, it's not just outline and shape that determine how a surfboard performs. There's also things like glassing, um, things like foam density and whatnot. Like, you know, every material comes into play here, and I don't think you can control for every variable, like that's why magic boards are magic, right? is because there's something special in them, you can't necessarily pinpoint it, you can't necessarily replicate it, it's a magic board and yeah, I don't know, I'm sure he's making, he's, to his point he's probably more consistent than other shapers, like he's probably says he's making, you know, Taylor 9 out of 10 boards are good boards that's probably a higher percentage than other shapers but magic boards, the ones that top, top, top surfers really care about. I don't know if you can do that with science, no matter how hard you
1: try. Yeah, I mean, I've even heard theories that, like, even if you look at a stringer, a stringer is a piece of wood. Wood, even if you cut it from the same tree, is going to have different properties. Um, It'll also absorb some moisture. it also absorb it differently based on which part of the tree it is. It's like, it's so many crazy things that it seems like unless you have... Just in a vacuum that you're making in an airtight lab, it still seems really hard to replicate it. But I do believe that he he has certainly has the pedigree to for us to believe that he is doing things that nobody else can in terms of getting close and really having that consistency down. So really interesting read, really interesting shaper, and um, I'm not gonna I'll spoil a little bit, but uh, he didn't lose that heat that we mentioned above.
0: That's true. He didn't leave that. Lose that and also there's so much more that Ethan got out of this guy. That's so fascinating to the fact that he built a mega ramp that doesn't even use any sort of screws or nails or anything to connect it. It's all just so perfectly cut that all the pieces fit together. Like this guy's a proper genius. Um, and I think he's somebody that has the potential to be like a true star in the world of surf shaping. Um, he, you know he. We learned his name from Katie Simmers, full stop. Um, she is obviously one of our favorite surfers, and she's been riding her board since she was very little. So that's how he got an invite to Stab in the Dark. And now in Stab in the Dark, he's showing like, whoa, he can also compete against these top guys in a totally random blind taste test. So uh, I see Chris Borst star rising. I see his stock uh, going through the roof in the next few years.
1: Well, good luck getting a board. He said he doesn't want anybody else to fuck up his work. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, we'll work on it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks,
1: Chris. A luxury watchmaker, a tourism board, and an energy drink company walk into a submarine canyon. That submarine canyon, folks, it leads right just south of, actually right into kind of the main town of Nazaré in Portugal. Home of the 100-foot wave, which has seemingly never been 100 foot, and also home of the Tudor Nazare Toe Challenge, which I attended. My boots were on that cliff. I was not wearing boots. I was wearing Vans uh, on Monday, and it was a very interesting day. Mikey, did you tune in to this event? I would imagine you were glued to your screen if so. I abstained for religious reasons. (laughs) <laughs> I don't blame you it is uh, it's fair enough I have to say man I enjoyed it I, I think that being there was so fun I don't think that you could have you could be not impressed when you were standing there um, and honestly I don't think that's the case with every surf contest I think you could show up to some CT events on a shit day where people aren't catching a lot of waves and you're kind of just a bit underwhelmed. Early rounds, whatever. This was very much not that. And I made a point, even though, you know, I had that nice bracelet, Mikey, I could get in that VIP zone. I made a point just kind of mill about the crowd a few times. Uh the crowd, I mean the commoners, the peasants. And Everybody's fucking loving it. There is, I'd say, probably 10,000 people, although I think last year at Supertubo's they said like 60,000, which seemed wildly inflated. Um, maybe they didn't have that same technology, maybe all the inflation is in the vest for this event, but everybody seemed to be just really happy, really blown away by it. I think it was the most non-surf crowd I've ever seen at a surf event. That was really interesting. Uh, Nazare is like just over an hour from Lisbon. Lisbon's a very touristic city these days. So people can just get on a bus and go there. I'd imagine there's a few hundred people there that, you know, ha- showed up not knowing what was even going to happen. And then all of a sudden there's big waves and people riding them. Like I've been there on small days where you, I've been asked by people, like when does the big wave happen? If somebody has just no idea how the ocean works, they might think that it just goes from flat to just 100 foot, like once a day at 3 p.m., And you have to kind of explain like, hey, sorry, this like you're not going to try to do the whole thing, but waves are created by wind from faraway storms. You're just kind of like, oh, it doesn't really work like that. It's like day by day. You just give them the shorthand. But um, I would imagine there's a bunch of crew like that there. And it was fucking awesome in person. I'm sure it was miserable to watch from afar if anybody dared to tune in. But I enjoyed it, and I wrote a little recap.
0: Yeah, there was something that you wrote that really resonated with me. Um, and that said, surfing aside, if you're not impressed by the way the ocean behaves here, your brain sucks. It's so peaky that it's hard to decipher which waves come from what lines of swell. Water seems to be moving in every direction at all times. It's straight up mesmerizing.
1: Absolutely. I honestly was playing a game with myself to try to see if I could trace a line of swell and see which peak it made. And I fucking couldn't. Like, It's that crazy, which is... That's why I love it when it's small. It's kind of like that like I feel like you'd have a better chance at deciphering it because you'd watch the lines get a little bit closer to shore Um, but it's no joke I mean people seem to really like that first peak which I didn't really realize I mean you've heard about people going through the rocks like Ross Clark Jones went through there and people have come really close but the first peak seems to be the most bully it seemed like the kind of second and third peak were the ones that are more the ones that get that like classic Nazarene criticism of like that wave's hardly breaking. Whereas the first peak, which is straight in front of the rocks, if you fall, you're fucked, um, was like, there are some spitting waves out there. Um, Especially inside ones that people weren't even really looking at, but it was like, just that's right butted up against the canyon, and just waves moving all sorts of which ways, doing crazy shit. Um, And when you see just a a, a wave that's like a 20-foot back fucking wedge and spit you're like what is that (laughs) um so really pleasant and also probably really boring it just wasn't as big as other years and even if it was as big it just kind of all looks the same to the to the eye that isn't standing there on the cliff so kind of a weird event I think the WSL makes some money off of it and good for them they seems like they need it (laughs) so if yeah don't we all if you want to just you know do a little thing like that swell never looked like it's gonna be massive Never at any point did it suggest that was going to be like the biggest swell of the year or anything. I I think they just make sure they get that thing done every year because it probably turns a profit for them. And uh, hey, if you want to turn a little profit off that thing and put it back into giving us free events all year of uh, airs and carves and Ethan Ewing, then I'm down. So shout out. I back it all
0: right well besides buck's piece um the other favorite part of this event for me was the art of toe video that we made with red bull it was actually um kind of explaining how toe surfing works like the realities of it explained by kai lenny nick von Rupp, lucas chumbo all guys like that um and i'm gonna play a little audio snippet for you guys here so you can get a sense of what these guys actually think the actual best toe guys in the world think about toe surfing is a
1: shortcut it is. We all know that.
2: And I'll probably even trust to tow my, my grandmother into a big business shoulder. With a jet ski, you could barely be able to surf a six-foot wave and then go get a 60-foot wave and win an award um, and get 100 grand or something.
1: If you go to a place like Head these days and the amount of productions like HBO's, Netflixes, this and that, they're just walking around, and it's, you know, if you look at the numbers, you know, videos of desert air reach or Jaws or Mavericks, so it's a lot more mainstream than regular surfing, you know, world tour surfing.
2: You know, you can't just bypass all these steps and hop on a jet ski and catch a wave. What I love most about where surfing's heading is you're gonna be able to really tell out who the legit guys are, all, um, versus the guys that, you know, maybe are in it for the wrong reason.
3: In the water, we have a radio, so we have the communication between everybody. When we are going the wave, the spotter is calling the wave for us. He's saying to us, what is the sets, Where is the sets coming? Which wave is the biggest one? He thinks. And then, when he say that, we just choose whatever we, we want. It's a reason. I mean, like, the driver and the surfer are constant
1: communication, and the driver and the spotter are in constant communication. Well, why don't we just let go of the rope and see what else is on the site, Mikey. We have a video of Josh Burke from Barbados surfing Barbados' best wave, one of Kelly Slater's favorite waves, Soup Bowl. And it also comes with a nice little Kelly Slater story. You know we love Kelly Slater stories in this program. Good watch. He's a great surfer. Um... This one, I'm sure most people have seen. It's kind of taken the internet by storm this week. But the Moroccan surf town of Imsouan got flattened. Is the word we'll use? It uh, some bad shit happened. Basically, there was a bunch of kind of fishermen living there in a little village that I guess was never really sanctioned by the state. And it got knocked down, presumably, to build nicer places. Now it's become such a little surf hub. And it sucks. And I feel like it was one of those weird things where all I saw on Instagram, or most of what I saw on Instagram was, like, people yelling at each other about whose fault it was rather than just thinking about these people that just had their homes demolished in a span of 24 hours. Uh, One thing I do want to say on that front, too, is that uh, I've never seen that happen to a wave where... Short borders go, so just something, something to think about, Mikey.
0: Well, I've, you know what? Something not quite as bad, but similar is going on where I live right now, so I'm going to have a piece on the site about that hopefully next week as well.
1: Is there a longboard wave?
0: No, it's a shortboard wave.
1: Shit. Well, you got me there, then.
0: Yeah, they're coming for us.
1: Ah, well, bad stuff. Bad stuff happening, but good stuff coming. No, Dean's Film MASH drops on set Premium on Jan 30th. Ooh. To be honest, we didn't. Oh, yeah, right? Right? To be honest, we didn't have a big hand in making this thing happen, or really much fan at all in making this happen, but we knew it was incredible. Zero hands.
0: Zero hands of stab involved. Exactly
1: zero hands, but um, we reached one hand in the pocket to pay Noah some money for it. He put a lot into it. And we put some back to him to get it all in front of you. So, Jan 30th, that thing comes. Mikey, have you seen a preview yet?
0: I sure have. We had a screening at our Hawaii house during the Vans Pipe Masters stint this year. It looks incredible. Um, I mean, if you thought that Nosvid was good, I think this one trumps it. And... Better yet, it's not going to get deleted off the internet forever because Noah made all the music himself for it. So we don't have to worry about that. It's going to live on Stab Premium. Um, Right now, it's only available on Vimeo on demand. So maybe you bought it, maybe you didn't. But if you're a Stab Premium member, you are now going to get it just part of your package Um, because we really wanted it for the site. We wanted it for you guys. We wanted it for ourselves. Uh, It's just incredible content. So well done to Noah. And yeah, really looking forward to that
1: January 30th. Mm, I'm very excited to yell at my screen. I've not yet seen it. I also might yell at my screen on January 29th, or probably a few days later, because Mm. the swell doesn't look great, but the 2024 WSL season starts. Wow. Wow. You and are going to do a pod beforehand, Mikey, I understand?
0: We sure are. Yep. That'll drop probably early next week. I think the event's going to start on the 31st, is my guess, looking at the forecast right now, but... Things can always change. It could start I don't think it's gonna start earlier, actually. I don't think there's like a big swell, like a storm coming that's gonna basically like hit Hawaii, the winds are gonna be bad, it's gonna be giant. So yeah. I'm saying the thirty-first or the first of February it will start. So Stace and I will try to get the episode
1: up and live before that. Wow, can you believe it? The Lexus Pipe Pro, folks. Here. Almost. But here now is a surf sin. Our last surf sin? and what this gentleman identifies as the original surf sin.
3: Deep moments
1: here. It's a big one for us, so let's hear it.
3: What's up, frothers? My surf sin is the original sin. I sold my first surfboard. Uh, Acquired two boards uh, on the side of the Kippy Highway when I was a young fella. Took up surfing, sold them at a caravan park for 80 bucks uh, to fund a more modern surfboard and anyway, I found out later that what I had was an original energy series Simon Anderson thruster it was just beautiful and uh, I fucking regret it every day to this day 30 years later every time I see one in a shop uh, every time I'm down at Bell's every time I see a Simon Anderson board uh, it hurts my heart. I hunted down the bloke I'd sold it to through a friend's uncle's brother's auntie or something. And uh, it turns out they trashed it behind uh, behind a boat wakeboarding. So totally ruined a piece of surfing memorabilia. Um, it's my biggest regret. I think about it almost every day. Please, give me some penance. Let me heal.
1: I just feel pain when I hear this. Um... I have damaged surfboards from my youth. None of them were the board that he's describing. They're... This is a a sin that you feel genuine sorrow about. Um, Not guilt, but just sorrow, I think. Maybe a little bit of... Yeah, a bit of guilt, actually. But just... I would imagine more just sorrow than anything else. God, it hits me.
0: This one... uh, Yeah, I have a personal connection to this one I still have my first surfboard actually and I'm really proud of that I hope I'll have it forever but I don't have my first skateboard anymore and it was the sickest it was a pal Peralta it had those like plastic grind bars on the bottom it had that old school shape to it with like the flip tail and then kind of like the fishy shape and then the nose was a little bit like not pointy but more pointy than skateboard today I don't know it was the sickest and I had it until i was like 20 years old actually and somehow I, you know how just like back in the day they just made stuff way better the bearings were still amazing i like never changed the bearings of the wheels they all they spun like freaking a thousand rpms if i spun like it was so good and i used to ride it everywhere and i left it outside of a, a store one day just running in to grab something and i came out and it was gone so I hope you're enjoying that, thief. Wow. Um got you good. Yeah. Well have Chris Boris make but you a... another one.
1: He could he could do it. <laughs> Same thing. True.
0: But a Simon Anderson, like like a, a true old school Simon Anderson, that is um probably a different level even beyond. Um so I feel really, really bad for this guy. He he knows he fucked up. We all know he fucked up. Um and there's no real like coming back from it like that's your first board unless you somehow stumble upon it or somebody hears this and you know says oh i think i might have that like that's your only hope and that would be a very karmic retribution um in the positive way but uh we are going to try to make your life a little bit better at least i am in the future with my penance so what i want this guy to do is i want this guy to fly to wherever simon anderson is i want him to order a board face to face. Um, And ideally, you can fill out a piece of paper with him, maybe do a little sketch or something like that, or maybe as a sheet that you fill out. But I want you to do it face-to-face. You need to order your kid's first board. And I want you to make it the coolest board that you can imagine for a kid, but also one that will kind of, like, prevail as he gets older and he'll still think it's cool. Um, and I want you to instill this lesson in your kid for, from the day he's born, basically that he, he never, ever gives away his first surfboard or sells it or whatever. Um, and I think that you can at least knowing that you imparted this knowledge on the next generation of your bloodline will make you heal.
1: I like that. And my penance is actually quite compatible with it. Before I get there, I do want to sneak in the fact that I also have the first surfboard that I ever owned. Small problem let's call it, is that this is also the first surfboard that I had performed ding repair on. Um, My dad helped teach me how to fix dings uh, in real time with this surfboard, and it turns out, when a child is fixing dings, it's, uh, I mean, he helped. But then I think I took matters in my own hands, like, fuck you, I got it now. I did not have it. Um, It's watertight, but Uh, And I'm sure, I guess I could still just sand it down and be fine, but it still just has these funny little quirks to it. But it wasn't a Simon Anderson. It was a Zodiac uh, of Belmar, New Jersey. I have a t-shirt. I don't believe the gentleman shapes anymore. He may not be alive. I'm not sure. But this Simon Anderson, Mikey, I think it's quite compatible with yours because my angle is going to be to... Kinda it's like a you don't know what you got till it's gone type situation. And so I'm gonna banish him to twin fins for a year. Um you don't get to ride a thruster for a year. You don't know what you got till it's gone. this thing's gone now, you had a fucking Simon Anderson thruster that you let get away from you. You don't deserve thrusters in. It's that simple. And if you are of childbearing age, then you'll probably quite like a twin fin. Because let's be honest, you're not hitting that lip like you used to, buddy. Um, so quite compatible, I think, Mikey. I think we've kind of ended this segment with two perfectly just just penances that really work together great. And, it was and, a, it, and I
0: think he has to do both. It's not one or the other this time. You have to do both penances, and only then will you be fully healed. And by the way, if you don't have a kid or don't intend on having one, you have to have a kid now yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: that's important. That's important. Yeah. That'll help with the twin fin too, from what I understand. So <laughs> from what I've seen. So,
0: so that's our last surf maybe ever, who knows, maybe in a few years we bring him back. But um, yeah, I like us ending on a high note here. And it's also time to introduce our next segment, uh, which will be a stab premium quiz show we're gonna be coming to you every week with a new stab premium member on this podcast uh, and they will get to participate in a quiz and if they do well enough they will win some prizes from stab and from other brands with whom we associate uh, so we really wanted to involve you guys in the podcast cause it's just so much more fun when we get different people calling in and we're going to do that soon. So check your emails this week and, um, we'll try to line some people
1: up for the month of February. Announcement on that front. Anybody who's emailed me about a wetsuit, guess what? This is how you're going to earn it, buddy. So I will be in touch. I haven't got back to you guys yet. I've seen the emails. There are some fucking brilliant ones. Um, Wide-ranging, too, just from personal stories to guys up there in the Nordic lands just freezing their fucking balls off to um, somebody putting Beautiful. out a glitch on our website. <laughs> that, nice. Uh, Hack us. You saw that one, right? The one about... No, I didn't, but I, I love okay. it. Okay. No, he pointed out it. he was giving us good information that maybe there was something that we were doing that... Oh, you know, this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. guy. Uh, so... Okay. I almost think we have to give that guy a wetsuit immediately because he... Uh, yes, he saved us thousands and thousands of dollars. He may have saved us some money. <laughs> um,
0: um, and to be clear, this is not going to be like a historical surfing quiz show. This is going to be a week-by-week news quiz. You're going to have to follow Stab. You're going to have to be on Instagram. You're going to have to be on Premium. You're going to have to be in Elsewhere. You're going to have to be on all the different channels where surfing lives in the world. YouTube, etc. We can pull these questions from anywhere, And we're going to hit you with some of the the more obscure, the more fun, and hopefully the more uh, enlightening, at the same time, surf news of each week. And you're going to be answering questions about it.
1: Yeah, and some of you are going to get four mils out of the deal. Imagine that.
0: Imagine that. And uh, if you're a brand who is also maybe looking to get in on this little slice of podcast pie, uh, yeah, we are looking for sponsors to, to help get in here and help gear out our Stab Premium members who are attuned to this week's surf news. So give us a ring. You know
1: the number or the email. You can find it somewhere. Any uh, Ayurvedic power bars out there? <laughs> no, what was it? Adaptogenic. Shout out, Fringe. Thanks for looking after us for a while come back if you want otherwise somebody else shut the fuck up and let's have some quizzes see you next week